Welcome to another episode of <clears throat> Phantoms of the Silver Screen. The last episode, not of our podcast, um, <laughs> but the last episode of Midnight Mass, episode 7, book 7, Revelations. Whole lot of revelations going on in this episode, that's for sure. I am one of the phantoms of the silver screen, Rip, and the other phantom is Jumby, and that is me. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining the... us. We're very sad. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> the last couple of episodes have had that trend just to make us really, really sad. Um, we're finally here at the end. I think that I think the show overall has given me everything I wanted. There was mysteries. They gave me answers to those mysteries. I'm satisfied with them. I'm sad, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, yeah. I have to learn to accept. And I think a, a big theme of this episode was acceptance. Yeah. And those of us who could find acceptance are ultimately happy or happier in the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, like acceptance is a very huge theme in this episode, as Jumby so eloquently said. Um, a lot of themes here that we'll cover. Um, as always, we're giving you our raw emotion as soon as we finish the episode. We uh. Went to the bathroom, drank some water. If you don't, you can't see me. I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's really to wipe the tears and mm -hmm. come back, gather ourselves, and have to recap it because we love you all, especially mm -hmm. you, Future Jumbie. I love you. And Future Rip, not as much as I love Future Jumbie, but I still love you too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hate that. I'm going to listen back to this like, why the fuck did I say that? bastard <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're here we're finally at the end before we even get into recapping it mm -hmm. how do you feel about the show overall oh man i loved every second of it a mike flanagan classic number three i'm actually like a bigger fan of this and i love the other two but i'm a bigger this is like my favorite property that he's produced and I think a lot of it just comes from just comes from the being a miniseries. There's there's no room for, you know, fluffer storylines or like, you know, filler. It's just all good content all throughout. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um like we've been saying, um, in our journey through each episode and each podcast, we've been saying that as soon as you come up with a theory or any any question you have they answer it almost immediately in the next episode. So, and then they raise more questions and then you're like, Oh, what's going to happen here? And then they answer it in the next episode and it goes on with that theme. So especially if you think you're ahead of, ahead of the, the story, they either put something else in front of you to deter you from that and focus on what they just put in front of you or, or it's just older news at that point. 
And we we definitely experienced that feeling like we were smarter than everyone else, but really <laughs> we were just keeping up barely. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, man, I I love this show. I love everything about it. It was a super clever storyline. The way they tied in this vampiric story with Catholicism was really clever, and they did so in a seamless way. Like it it felt believable. Um. Man, I'm just sad to see it's over now. Like, I don't know what I'm going to watch now. <laughs> uh, I'll yeah. just wait for the next Mike Flanagan property. Yes. I, we looked it up yesterday, but I completely forgot when the next one it's coming out. Definitely. I'm I'm hoping soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so if if you didn't know, this series came out during what the the beginning of October, late September, so just in time for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll we'll get more into that. I mean, it's a nice little um little story to just a little show just to quench your spooky season thirst. Mm. Man, it's just a good show overall. Like watch this any day, any any month of the year. It's just a good it's a good ride. Yeah. I agree. Amazing characters all throughout. I cared about pretty much everyone I've seen in one way or another. I've had a strong emotion associated to every character pretty much. <laughs> and it's a big it's a big cast, so that's that's yeah. kind of an impressive feat. So before we dive deep into this re- um the episode, where do we leave off last time? So last time we left off in the most impossible to resist <laughs> cliffhanger ever, but we did it. We, you know, we stayed true to ourselves and we didn't lose ourselves to temptation. <laughs> we didn't give in. We didn't click that button. We did not. Right. Some people would have, some people might say it's impossible to resist that temptation, but we you know what me and Rip, we resisted it. So where we left off. <laughs> The the church has gone full vampire cult. Everybody's eating everybody and coming back and eating some more people. The only people alive right now really are the sheriff. Like alive in the sense that they're not vampires because literally everyone's here. It's just most people are vampires right now. Mm-hmm. The only people alive right now are Dr. Gunning, the sheriff, um... Aaron Green, Liza, or Lisa, hmm. Warren, and... Mama Flynn. Mama Flynn, yeah. Those are the only living members that we can see right now. And, you know, we find out later in the episode, there is a good portion of people who are also alive, but they just didn't come out tonight. Nobody. I <laughs> guess they... <laughs> <laughs> they just live that island lifestyle and they're just like, what? There was a vigil? I forgot. I'm sorry. I was out of my house. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we left off with... Um, Mayhem. Yes. Oh uh, yeah. And Millie. Millie <laughs> shot Nosferatu and he got pissed. <laughs> he did not like that. Lunched at her. Took her away. Um, yeah. Uh, Bev uh, hid while everybody was uh, eating each other. 
Mm-hmm. She she got shot by Aaron Green. No, Aaron Green very much knowing that she's going to resurrect anyway. But, <laughs> you know, it was a nice way to shut Bev up for five minutes. Right. Bev comes One back. One of many, like, I'm a badass <laughs> moments for Aaron. Yes. Bev does come back. And she orders Sturge to open up the doors to let all of, um, the awakened out. Father Pruitt's idea was to keep everybody inside, which I got wrong. I thought he wanted everybody to go out and acclimate, but no, he wanted to lock them up to acclimate so they don't burst outside and give in to their temptations and to their hunger. But Bev mm-hmm. didn't care. If you <laughs> the... Um, if you weren't there that day, you were the problem. You were part of the problem. So that was her solution to those problems. <laughs> Get eaten. So yeah, she let them all out. Every God will sort everything out, right? So yeah, the end for episode six. Now episode seven. Episode seven begins with answering a question that you know i pretty much talked about last time and i'm convinced that everybody saw coming (laughs) all the good characters who got eaten are coming back too so we saw papa flynn get taken out we saw millie get taken off into the night but it doesn't mean that they're dead dead yet because they have the vampirism enzyme flowing through their blood the nosferatu juice is pumping (laughs) through their veins and it's going to bring them back one last time for one last rodeo. Yeah. So we wake, we start with a very young, no longer gray-haired Millie back in action. And she's waking up. Um, she didn't get too far away from the church. Apparently, Nosferatu lunged at her, took a little feeding frenzy and flew off. So she is back now, fully-fledged vampirling, seeing all those sparkly lights that are apparently worth your humanity. And she walks through the church doors and she sees the father who is apparently up and at him. He's, he does not require any surgery to remove that bullet. Ah. I think his body was just taking a little extra time to heal. Yeah. He mm-hmm. took off his robe. He is just in his suit and collar, sitting there, sulking. And he sees Millie walk up to him and she's young perks him up a little bit but not enough because as she sits down the first thing he asked her is did it hurt it could have been a myriad things did it hurt transforming getting resurrected did what the fuck the (laughs) Nosferatu do to you uh bite you and drink your blood or drop you from thousands of feet onto the floor did any of that hurt she's like yeah it yeah, did. very much did. <laughs> thanks, thanks for asking. <laughs> I thought this was, he like looked up, saw young Millie looking beautiful, and he was like, did it hurt? And then she's going to be like, what? And he's like, you fell from heaven. <laughs> and he's just going to start hitting on her. <laughs> this is what I wanted. <laughs> this is what all this was for. <laughs> Apparently so. Apparently so. So... <clears throat> No, he's just asking, but did it hurt when Nosferatu killed you? And she's like, yeah, it did. That sucked. And they cut from there to a terrifying scene. We see the vampire fletchlings, which is 
pretty much the majority of the church-going community, busting down doors, and you can see their eyes kind of glowing in the dark. Very lightly, a very nice touch. It's almost like, you know, like a glimmer of light in each of their eyes that of all the vampiric people. And they are busting down doors looking for normies, for people who have not turned yet so they can have a feeding frenzy on them. So they're busting down doors. People are screaming. It is pandemonium. It is just the worst thing in the world. The mayor is chomping on people. He's definitely not getting that man's vote. He's just going crazy. Everybody's going wild. Mm -hmm. We see most of the fletchings feeding, um, with the exception of Ali here. We don't see Ali feeding. He's awake. He's walking around. He's trying to look with his new vampire eyes among the world, but he's not feeding. And neither is Ed. Ed Flynn is also walking around aimlessly, but he's not feeding on anybody. He's just observing the chaos. And from their perspective, it literally looks like hell on earth. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they are not happy with what's going on. And I feel for Ed on this one because he didn't make the choice. He sacrificed himself to protect his family. Well, yeah. Yeah. Protect Warren and protect Mama Flynn. Mm -hmm. Ali made the choice. He drank. But now he sees what his father was talking about. Ironically. I'm trying not to... Yeah. I'm trying not to get mad at Ali because, like... Yeah. It's not... He's not the first person to get duped by a cult or, like, fall ill to propaganda. But I'm just so... I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. You know? Like, I'm (laughs) just... I can't... (laughs) I wish he didn't fall for it. Like, (laughs) I wanted him to live really, really badly. If not for his character because we didn't get a lot of time with him. For his dad, like for his father's character, because I know his father would have wanted himself to die way more than he like he would have preferred to go rather than Ali. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking that I don't even know if the sheriff survives in the end, but it's heartbreaking to know that Ali is a fletchling and there's no there's nothing we could do about it. Yeah. <sighs> but whatever, we're rolling with it. We're in the apocalypse. There's no room to mourn right now. So we're in, I think, the Gunning household or maybe Aaron Green's house. I'm not quite sure. And we have the survival crew, you know, the the remaining members of society who have not turned. We got Dr. Gunning. We have the couple, Warren and Lisa. We have um, Aaron Green and we have the sheriff. And they're all just, oh, and we have Mama Flynn. And they're all just regrouping in this house right now. And they're looking at the pandemonium and they're just like, wow. They are feeding, knocking down doors, forcing people to turn right now. This is this yeah. is crazy. Um, they check the phones. They realize that the cell towers have been tampered with. Then, then Aaron Green reveals that Sturgis has been going around and burning down boats and like taking out pieces, not burning down boats, but taking out pieces of the boats. Yep. And they're kind of just trapping them there. And then the doctor, who's able to figure out a lot of their big plan, is like, well, they didn't take out all the pieces. You know, they they didn't completely sink the boats because they need to use those boats so they can get back to the mainland. Mm-hmm. The sheriff and some of the other members here, even Lisa. They're not completely on board 
with, you know, the way apocalypses work because the sheriff's like, my son's out there. We should go look for him. <laughs> and I'm like, man, we got to get with this. I know it's new to you. You just learned about it tonight, but there's there's no saving him, man. Nope. You have to get whoever's alive off the island. Yeah. It's it's hard to say, but like that's that's what these apocalyptic I wanna say movies, but these apocalyptic storylines are all about. Like you you cut your losses, you try and save who you can, or you die. Like yeah. those are your options. You can just die too. Like yeah. it, it's kind of a hellscape out there. Always an option. It's just I I don't know. Lisa too? Lisa's like, Oh, um what about my mom, my mom and, and dad? dad? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, Girl, did you not see? They immediately went feasting, and they looked at you. You know, your mom looked at you. That could have went south real bad, like it did for so many others on the island. Yeah. Like them being your family member doesn't save you. Man, this is a dark, dark episode. <laughs> it, figuratively and also literally, because there are no lights, because the lights are also knocked out, and all the candles are out because they don't want the fletchlings to see them. So, yeah. They kind of have to wake up to reality a little bit in this house, and they start to formulate the beginnings of a plan. Once everybody understands that they can't save anybody. So, they talk about the boats. That's not an option. Warren brings up that he has a canoe in the uppers, uh, it can't really get them to the mainland, but it can kind of get them away from the island. Yeah. And Aaron Green and pretty much all the adults are like, yeah, you guys should get to that boat because we need you guys to get out of here, your kids. The rest of us adults will figure something else out, but you guys need to get to that boat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, one thing that Aaron busts out is that they're trying to get they're they're saving the the boats not the canoe but the 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 master plan must have been that they're saving the boats as sarah figured out they didn't really destroy any boats it took out parts that could easily be put back in because their job is they want to get to the mainland if they get to the mainland this thing is essentially a virus funny right very very funny 2021 it's a virus and what do mm-hmm. viruses do it's a it's it spreads a contagion yes it just takes one person hilarious mm-hmm. <laughs> just takes one person to spread it and then everybody has it and it keeps spreading and spreading and spreading so not relatable what's um they don't uh and that's when mama flynn says something like um why would Maybe I'm getting my head or stuff, but why would people want this, you know? Like, why would they, why are we trying to protect ourselves? The whole, I don't ever understood this. Oh, because, okay. They're getting guns and weapons and yeah, stuff. Yeah, at this point is when Sheriff Hassan starts pulling out knives and start giving it to everybody. And he, he reloads his gun and Mama Flynn doesn't understand why um we, we're getting the knives. And then Aaron says, it'll buy us time, minutes, maybe even seconds, but it'll buy us time to get to where we need to go. But Mama Flynn is like, no, like the whole point of going to church is so that we may one day reunite with God. Why are we trying to run away from this? Like, what's the point? And then that's when Aaron says, 
it stopped becoming our responsibility to res- um to protect ourselves our responsibility is to protect the world by making sure this shit doesn't spread to the mainland that's their number one goal and that statement alone kind of wakes everybody up everybody stops saying some dumb shit that they were saying <laughs> about going around saving the fletchlings that have turned they're all like no we have a job to do yeah. priority get you kids off the island in your little canoe while the big people make sure that this thing can't spread yeah we're doing a service to humanity we have to save the entire world people we've never met before and aaron green's like there's no greater love than that all right so this is team love right now. <laughs> team love has a mission. So after this scene is done, everything's kind of decided. We need to get the kids to safety and we need to come up with a plan before they can fully realize this plan. Aaron gets interrupted by a smashing window and a ball of flyer of fire just flying into the window and bursting onto the hardwood floors <laughs> that, you know, makes me hurt inside because I'm sure those are really expensive. Molotov cocktail, baby. Mm-hmm. I guess who threw it? Give you all yeah. one guess. <laughs> Just one more episode with this this horrible, ugh, this demon seed. <laughs> all right, so Beverly, ugh. Beverly Keen threw a Molotov cocktail into the window with the help of Sturges, this big, you know, I want to say lovable idiot, but he's, he's not very lovable. He's a horrible <laughs> man. Um, her and Sturges are just throwing Molotovs in, and Beverly's like, hey, Aaron, I wanted to continue the conversation we were having earlier. <laughs> you know, the one where I was speaking and you shot me to death. <laughs> so Aaron is kind of formulating a plan. She's like, all right, you guys go out the back window. I'm going to go out the front and distract them because they're here to see me. And Mama Flynn's like, no, don't do it. I have been meaning to have a word with this Beverly for some time now. She's going full like mother hen mode. Mm -hmm. She's going to have some words and talk to this Beverly person because she's heard that she's said a few things about her boys and she doesn't appreciate it, you know. So... Mama Flynn somehow convinces Aaron Green to go, and she goes out the door first. And Aaron Green has no choice but to go with the children for safety. Um, it has it's kind of a heartbreaking scene here because Warren is realizing the plan. He's like, "Mom, no, please! I just lost Dad. I probably lost my brother. Do not do this." And the mom is like, "No, sweetie, it's okay. Go. I have a plan, and this is probably the best one." Warren is having the worst time in the world right now. Yeah. Poor kid. <laughs> so he, everyone leaves out the back window. Mama Flynn opens the door. And unfortunately, she has to stare at Beverly. And Beverly's <laughs> like, Annie Flynn, my, as I live and breathe, I can't believe it's you. <laughs> Um, you, we have no quarrel with you, Annie Green, churchgoer, who went to church all the time. We just need to have a word with Aaron Green, all right? So can you just get her on out here? And Mama Flynn's like, yeah, yeah, they're all in there, Sarah Gunning, everybody's in there. 
Oh my gosh. Aunt Beverly in this scene, she's like, is everyone in there? Is the good doctor there? Mm-hmm. Is um is the the terror loving sheriff in there? And I was like, uh, oh, I hate ugh. this woman. She deserved a thousand suns, all right? Yeah. And I mean like the sun in the sky. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So Beverly's just saying like super racist stuff as always. And Mama Flynn's not phased. She's walking down and she's just like, Beverly Keen, I have had something to say to you for a very, very long time. And I want you to listen to me, all right? Look me right in the eyes, Beverly. Because I wanted to say this pretty much my whole life. And then she said, you aren't a good person, Beverly. Pow. Got her. Damn. Love to hear it. A bit of an understatement, a bit of an understatement, but somebody had to say it, yeah. and she did it. She did it, roasted. <laughs> you aren't a good person, Beverly Keen. And Beverly Keen's like, wow, uncalled for. I can't believe you said that. As she's like, you know, covered in blood <laughs> from the massacre that went on today that she supported. <laughs> Whatever, she got insulted. And... Mama Flynn makes a very, very poignant point. It's God doesn't love you more than anyone else, Beverly. Even though you seem to think otherwise. God (laughs) loves me. God loves you the same amount. God loves everyone the same amount. You aren't a hero. You're not better than anybody else. You aren't loved by God more. You're not a victim. You are loved the same as everyone else. And I don't know why that's always bothered you. Nobody is better than anyone else in God's eyes. We all love the same. And Beverly is like, well, um, I don't want to speak ill of your dead son, Mom Flynn. But if the quality of your parenting is any evidence shown in Riley, then I don't really care about your opinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Mama Flynn doesn't let that stupid, you know, like right. trick that she's trying to pull here deceiver she's just like there you go again but i can't even do the scene justice she's just like look god did love riley i am a great parent you're right it is evidence of how good of a parent i am and um, riley was super loved by god he loved god loved riley just as much as he loved you and she keeps ha- hammering home that that theory, which is why we're on team love right now. <laughs> God loves everybody the same, Beverly. The same. And Beverly's kind of getting really upset by this. So she continues her love speech, and Beverly's like, hey, um, she's just trying to distract us. Sturges, go around back, because this is obviously a big ploy. She can't really mean these things, because I can't take criticism. <laughs> and Mama Flynn, Annie Flynn, was like, man, I've had enough of listening to Bev. And she stabs herself in the throat and slices her own throat and kills herself. Blood is, like, gushing out. And Beverly and <laughs> Beverly and Sturgis are like, oh, my God. Ew. Oh, I can't why'd believe she you do, did. Why'd she do that? But we all know why. Yeah. It was a great plan. I can't believe she came up with it so fast. (laughs) And that was pretty metal. Like, she just 
I would not have that strength. That was that was amazing. Well, she knew it was gonna happen, right? She knew yeah. they were gonna get as soon as she fell over and all the blood starts dripping out and they go to they instinctively go over there to make sure she's okay and then they're gonna guide her back into reality. Well, guide her back in her transformation back um in her resurrection. But they're just too distracted by the blood that was coming out. Beverly looks at her hands. Her fingers are doused in blood and she can't help herself. She just shoves her fist in her mouth and starts picking up more blood. And Sturgis is looking. You can see the jealousy on his face. Like, I need to, when's it going to be my turn? <laughs> you know, I'm letting you have out of res- the first taste out of respect. And then Bev just chomps away and well not chomps but just starts slurping on the ground and then Sturge just goes over Mama Flynn's body and starts slurping on whatever blood he can get any remains he can get while Bev's is feeding and that's it and we just see um, Mama Flynn just staring up as this is happening right, that was the perfect distraction it did. Sturge wasn't going to go look around the back anymore because he's, he's hungry. Uh, super hard scene to watch. I'm feeling really bad for the Flynn family not having a good night. Um, But yeah, you're right. It worked. Her plan worked. Everybody got away. We go back to the church and we spend a little time with Father and Millie. And the father is talking about this, this idea that he had about death not idea but like this this tale he he would read about like death and it was said to him that god felt the falling of every sparrow the death of every animal every creature on earth he just felt every single death and if he had to feel all that death it's like like if you're looking at a waterfall and you see every droplet of water and it creates this big, you know, white noise. And it's just like, how can he hear anything but this epic, like loud deluge of death, constant and, you know, ever flowing noise? How is he supposed to hear my prayers, my whispers in the dark if he has to deal with all this death? And father said that when he found this gift, when he found this, this immortality, this Nosferatu juice. He thought that that was the end to the noise. That it was going to be over from here on out and God would be able to hear him. And there would be no more noise. There would be no more death on earth. And it's really interesting to see a peek behind the, the, the curtain on like his big plan. Yeah. And then he, he goes on to say kind of messed up he goes on to say that you know i had you know a bunch of different reasons and i you know i spouted off a lot of different different justifications for what i did but at the end of the day it was just because i didn't want death to happen i didn't want sarah gunning his biological daughter which is kind of revealed here in this scene i didn't want sarah to die i didn't want you Millie to die that that was the crux of what I did and if if I was Millie's taken this really well but if I was Millie I think I would have been horrified to know that all this death and destruction 
mm-hmm. was caused because of me. And I mean, it's not like it's her fault or anything, yeah. but to, to hear somebody say they did all of this horrible stuff for me would have made me vomit. I would have been disgusted. How did you feel about it? Um, it, I think she saw right through it. Like the, um, it was the selfishness, right? Uh, yeah. He saw resurrection because he became young again. He saw the woman he loved go through essentially what he was going through. They were both in their old ages, not not thinking very well. And when he saw it in himself, he thought he can bring that, um, bring it over to the island. And do that for Millie. Um, and we'll talk about that. But he it's not like he wasn't aware that Lisa can walk. Uh, he saw people with glasses, not need glasses anymore. People with bad bags. Um, he, he knew he can resurrect the island. Bring it up to the vibrant that it was before. As he said in the sermons in the past. But when right down to it, he can't... Um, lie anymore about mm. it the, he saw a second chance uh with himself millie and sarah as a family that's what he saw that he he always knew that you're supposed to live and die but then when he was supposed to die he awoke as a younger the, as the younger version of himself and the first thing that came to his mind was like, this is a miracle. God gave me this chance, the second chance to, to the thing that I've wanted to do my entire life, which is stop pretending that I'm not in love with Millie. Stop pretending that I don't have a daughter named Sarah. Um, and now he's like, I can just go over there, make Millie young again. We'll fall in love again. And we'll, tell Sarah she's going to be super down for this because she's also going to be resurrected or whatever, have that Nosferatu juice flowing through her veins and we're all going to be great together. It's going to be awesome. But Millie had to check him and tell him right there. Uh, it's like, sorry, but it was never it was never going to be that way. It was never meant to be that way. We're supposed to grow old die live their choices live by everything that happened and be afar like just watch each other from afar and that's it that that's the way it was supposed to happen so yeah he says that deep down when he was having like really lonely nights he was really he felt as he felt that if millie would come over and ask him to remove his collar and just leave with her somewhere. Yes. He would have went. And Millie's like, no. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't do that to you. Because the priesthood is your life. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that to Sarah. I wouldn't do that to the man that she's with. Because he's like a war veteran. And he suffered too much to go through that as well. Um, I mean... Part of me is also just like, well, I mean, you still had a baby with some other guy, so I'm, yeah. he, I'm sure he's not happy about that anyway, but whatever. 
lying to him, I guess, was the option for her. And she wouldn't do that to herself either. She wouldn't ruin four lives just so she can be with the priest. Yeah. They made their decisions. They were meant to grow old with those decisions and just die and wither away while Sarah lingers on. And that's the way of things. That's how things are supposed to go. Now they're just kind of here, but they're really not supposed to be. It's wrong. And I think the father is starting to see that. It was wrong for him to do what he was doing. <laughs> it's supposed to be over, and it's just not. Yeah. Um, when you're a priest and you s- see your entire church covered in blood and <laughs> just you hear the screams of innocent people throughout the night, you kind of you have to figure, be like, eh, maybe, maybe I should take the owl on this one. <laughs> It's, uh, <laughs> you couldn't have went wrong, like more wrong than he did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. The scandalous news article that's going to be written. <laughs> A priest had an illegitimate love child in town. Also, the whole town's dead because of vampires. By the way. Yeah. On page six, they'll have that story. <laughs> so we move on to, you know, Team Love, minus Mama Flynn. Right. Team Love is moving through the town. We got Warren, Lisa, the sheriff, Aaron Green, Dr. Gunning. We're running through the town and we're seeing the vampires feeding. And we also see Nosferatu just like hunting. He's just like diving into houses and feeding. And you hear the screams, and it's kind of scary. Oh, shit. Um, but Team Love's keeping a low profile. They get caught by the delinquent that his name will always escape me because the Uker. delinquent has a really silly name. <laughs> what is it? Uker. Uker. I will never call him that. His name's the delinquent. So he's here in full altar boy garb that Warren was able to ditch. But Uker, I mean delinquent, is still wearing it. And he's just like, hey, guys, how's it going? Um, Uker approaches the group, and Sheriff Hassan's like, hey, get out of here. And this kid calls him another racial slur. I can't remember what it was. Uh, He, like, says uh, a racial... Raghead. Like, fuck those people, man. (laughs) Let it it burn, am I right? This whole town, I hate it. So the delinquent says that to him, and then he immediately gets shot by the sheriff, and I'm like, good. <laughs> Goodbye, delinquent. Never liked you from the beginning. Um, the sheriff expends one of three shots. I, I don't know if that's important or not, but he only had three bullets at the house, and he just used one of them. <laughs> so he used that bullet. Some lady came out running out of her house trying to flee from Nosferatu, Nosferatu catches her right in front of the team love and the sheriff, you know, unloads his remaining bullets into him. So really interesting action scene here. Very scary stuff. Seeing Nosferatu in action is horrifying and uh, I just, it's just creating an air of panic because nowhere is safe. There's fledgling vampires and a fully fledged flying demon vampire just 
all over the place. So Team Love is running for their lives in the dark. So far, they seem safe but in danger. We cut back to the house that everybody was at that's now covered in flames. And it seems like Bev and Sturges are full now. They have full tum-tums and they're done feeding <laughs> on Mama Flynn. And Sturgis is like, oh my god, this house is burning down. As a good citizen, as he wipes Mama Flynn's blood from his mouth, <laughs> I should probably put out this fire because it's going to spread. Remember the old fire in like 84? We don't want that to happen again. Mercy me. The town's going to be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy mentality that these people have. Oh. And Beverly gets an idea. She's just like quoting Bible verses and I'm not going to say what they are because I can't remember them. But he's, she's just spewing garbage. And she's just like, hey, let it all burn down. All right. Um, in the Bible, you know, there was a big fire and one third of everything got destroyed. Let, let's just burn down everything in town. You know, let's just roll with it. Let's go full evil. <laughs> um <laughs> And Sturgis is like, I don't know about that, but I don't need that much convincing. If you say one or two more things, I'm with you. And she's like, yeah, think about like Noah's Ark, man. Let's just <laughs> let's just gather everyone at the church, burn down everything. Sturgis is like, all right, I'm down. Oh, yeah. It's the stupidest plan in the world. You, you ready for but this? you know what? You ready for this? Yeah. What happened? It's, what it's happened? from Revelations, so I feel like I, it needs to be said since the episode is called Revelations. Uh, okay. The first angel blew his trumpet and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and they were hurled to the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. As for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers. When she said sorcerers, I was like, oh yeah, there's a wizard? Just <laughs> we kind of need one of those right now. There's a demon. I'm sure there could be a wizard or whatever. <laughs> the sorcerers. I believe. The idolaters and all the liars. Their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And that is her vision of what needs to have be ha what needs to happen. And all those that will survive, all the believers that are with her, that follow the faith, that showed up to mass every day, they'll be held up in the the old where the old church was, which is now the rec center. Because in the fire in eighty four, the old church was not uh, burned down, while every other house was. So, their job is to burn it all down, and then from the ashes will rise a new <laughs> society, a vampiric society. Beautiful, beautiful. Never my head. say those two words back to back ever again. Head. Slash <laughs> S. Forward slash S. <laughs> so Bev wants to do a whole fire and brimstone version of Noah's Ark, and everyone dies in a lake of fire except for those saved at the church. Disgusting. <laughs> Just when you think she can't get it any worse, she needs to destroy the town. So she goes off to do this. We see Mama Flynn slowly starting to wake up and she sees the cosmos above her. And she's seeing the glimmering lights that everybody sees once they turn into a vampire fletchling. So Mama Flynn is fully online. She is a 100% vampire now. 
And, you know, that's heartbreaking in a way. Yeah. She came back and she's a vampire. We return to Team Love. And Team Love is doing a little, you know, little renaissance mission here. Reconnaissance mission. They're looking around. I feel like the team is split up here, no? Yeah. Um, in the middle of that firefight with the demon, Sheriff mm-hmm. Hassan's sexy ass was like, we need to split up. I'm not sure if he said it. I just wanted to say how much of a sexy person he was. But his mm-hmm. sexy ass One is like, uh, Annie and Warren need to go to the boats. And they're like, what about you guys? No, no, no. We have shit to do. You guys go to the boats. Get, get out of here. Go in the middle of the lake. Um, and let us handle it. And that's essentially what they did. So, yeah, that's correct. So Warren and Lisa are on their own mission. Um, and they're running around. They duck for cover. And I believe they go into Joe's trailer. Yes, they do. And as they go in there, it's very reminiscent of Joe. And I, I kind of miss the character. I really yeah. was starting to feel for Joe. Because he was coming around, and at least he doesn't have to be here for the hellscape. That's that is Crockpot Island right now. But I miss that guy. I miss Riley. I miss everybody. <laughs> so they're in there, and Lisa goes. She picks up Joe's grandfather's gun that she saw in a episode earlier when she confronted Joe about everything. And she picks it up and she starts loading it. And Warren's like, what do you even need that for? And Lisa's like, minutes. We need this to buy a few minutes. Because Warren's trying to make the point that it's just like, look, they, they come back. Like, who, who even cares? And she's just like, all we need is a few minutes. It, it matters. She picks up the rifle. She loads it. And they go on their way toward the canoe. Try and get the hell out of here. And they have a little conversation here. They talk about a game plan. And they kind of just run off. And that's the end of that. We cut to Bev and Sturge just destroying the whole town. Burning down building after building. They burn down the general store slash police department. (laughs) They burn down every notable building except for the church and the archdiocese. And whatever it's called. The rec center. Everything gets burned down. The tower, the the town's burning. You see Mama Flynn kind of just walking through a haze. And she gets reunited with Papa Flynn, with Ed. Ed and Annie get reunited. Ooh. So Papa and Mama Flynn get reunited. They hug each other. And they have a scene I was not expecting, but it kind of stuck with me. So they're happy to see each other. They're looking at the blood on one another and they're both just like it's all me it's all my blood and you know they're realizing that they're both fully turned they're both these things and ed flynn's like i didn't do what everyone else is doing i i didn't succumb i haven't killed anyone i haven't fed and mama flynn's like i haven't either but i feel it i feel the urge like i feel hungry I feel it in my stomach. My stomach hurts. And Ed Flynn says something that's really damning for everybody else. Ed Flynn says, I feel it too. But, you know, it's not what I thought it was going to be. In the church, 
it seemed like everyone couldn't stop themselves. Like they were just compelled to do this and there was no, there was no choice in the matter, but you actually do have a choice. Like I haven't killed anyone and I, I feel hungry. I'm starving really, but I haven't lost myself. I, I can choose not to do this and we can choose to be ourselves and not lose, lose who we are to this thing. And that's pretty damning. That's that's horrible, actually. Because <laughs> how do how do they have this strength? Because we see some other members of the society, like I think, when they turn, they kill their families. They kill everybody. Yeah, I think uh, the situation, right? Uh, I think Ali just saw what was going on, and just the only thing he needed was to go back to his father, and that was mm-hmm. his strength. Um, and Ed was looking for for Annie and Warrior and all anybody, any sign of uh and that was his strength, you know? Mm-hmm. Just that just that chance to be re- the reunited. So so he they both just walked by any any feedings and never didn't join in. They're just like No, this is not the priority right now. And they just fought fought off whatever um nourishment they needed. But the way Ed put it, like, was was really interesting. Pretty put a cap on some things. Like, if you really tried, you can resist the urge, which goes back to what Father Paul wanted, right? Keep everybody locked up and let them acclimate, let them fight, and when they're ready, send them out so they could be part of society and work with the people that didn't want to choose this. So it was interesting <laughs> to say the least. It was it was very interesting that revelation. Get it? Mm-hmm. So we cut back to what remains of team love minus the young couple. Um they are opening up a locked gate. Um it seems to be kind of where the cell tower area was, but within that locked gate is also a bunch of gasoline. So Sheriff, Sheriff Hassan is working on the lock with some, you know, bolt cutters or whatever. And Aaron Green and Dr. Gunning are having a little talk and they're saying, man, I sure hope those kids made it to the boat. And Dr. Gunning's like, yeah, me too. And Sarah, I think Sarah's like, well, not Sarah. Um, Aaron Green is also just like, yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get to know if they did or not, are we? And it's kind of a dark comment because it's implying that they don't really have hope of making it off this island at this point. Yeah. And it starts to get pretty real. And Dr. Gunning's like, I'm going to decide that they did make it to the boat. They have made it to that boat. I've just decided that they did. And Aaron Green's like, yeah, they did. I know they did. Because <laughs> they kind of need that glimmer of hope because they've they've pretty much lost all of their hope. Yeah. So they need something to latch on to. Sheriff Hassan breaks the lock. They get the gasoline. And we're not privy to exactly what their plan is. But we know it in, it's going to involve this gasoline. Mm-hmm. So we see them pouring the gasoline over every boat they can find. And then they light it on fire. It's a battle between lighting the entire town on fire. <laughs> between the Fletchlings and Team Love. So 
the vampire fletchlings are burning down every house and village house in the entire village the team love has burned down all the boats so pretty much anything that anyone could be inside of is being burned down right now <laughs> with the exception of saint patrick's church and the stupid rec center that bev built <laughs> that's all that's left <laughs> well said so they're they're taking away as the fletchings are taking away any choice of survival the the um the non quote unquote the non believers have and then team love is fighting back with well we're giving you <laughs> your we're taking away your only chance of survival too so let's see what happens there's no way for you guys to get off this island in the morning so good luck yeah because i guess their big plan was like wait out the morning at night we had descend on the mainland hmm. so we cut back to the young couple warren and lisa and they are running around they get into the old abandoned house the old abandoned house that we've seen in other episodes we saw this house when bowls the drug dealer was you know murdered by nosferatu mm -hmm. it's the same eerie looking old house so lisa and warren walk in they discover by lighter light because the whole place is pitch black and they've opened up a lighter just so they could see they've discovered dead rats they've discovered the dead body of bowls who was not brought back to life. Nope. He is very dead and very blue. They see a couple other bodies. And then, just to make my soul leave my body one last time, <laughs> the light illuminates a living person being fed upon by Nosferatu himself. He's just chomping down, and he cannot be bothered right now. He is enjoying it. This this lady must have had type AB negative blood or something rare. <laughs> she was just delicious to him. She was He was sucking down on that blood, and it was disgusting. And <laughs> Lisa has no fear. Warren's just like, Lisa, let's get out of here. And Lisa's like, nah, ain't no bitch. And she, she pulled out a gun. Because I think she had a gun. Yeah. Um, yeah, she had the gun that Joe that from Joe. Yeah. She pulled out a gun, the rifle. She shot the thing in the back, and he just like swats it away. He's like, oh, "Come on, man, please! Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm super hungry. I'm eating here. Come on." And <sighs> she's like, "So annoying." Let, let me try this again, and she tries again, and he's a little bit more annoyed, but not to the point where he stops feeding. He's like, "Yeah, let me get more of this." It's like, I'll take so, care of them in a second. <laughs> I guess we didn't realize here, but once he's feeding, he can he doesn't give a shit about anything. <laughs> he's super en engrossed in what he's doing. Yeah. So Lisa's like, all right, well, this is a golden opportunity. He can't be bothered right now. <laughs> she gives up on the gun. She, she opens up the gasoline tank because they also took a gasoline tank with them at Joe's house. I don't know if we mentioned that, but it was just in case... They found a boat that needs gas. Yeah. But now they have a different purpose for it. She throws gasoline all over Nosferatu, who still can't give a shit. He's just like, eh, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> and she puts a line of gasoline leading outside of the house. And then they ignite 
the gasoline and set the damn thing on fire. And then you hear him wailing in the house. He's like, <laughs> and he just jumps out of the house. He, it almost looks like he's going to take a swing at Lisa and Warren, but he kind of just hurries up into the air so he can try and extinguish the fire, I guess. Yeah. And it was pretty metal, pretty lucky of them because nothing, <laughs> nothing negative happened to them. They just got away with it, essentially. And Warren's just like, I don't know why you, did, like, you thought that would work and I don't know why it worked, but let's just get out of here. <laughs> So, pretty good scene overall. I'm loving Team Love. <laughs> I like the little fractions that we have here. I like that they were able to hurt Nosferatu. It showed that he can be hurt, at least a little bit. So, that was nice. Yeah. So, yeah. We cut back to the Fletchlings, Sturges, and all that. They're still burning shit down. They're burning everything to the ground. Every place imaginable. We see Beverly, and she's being Bev. She's, like, making beds in the rec center, getting ready for her her little arc where everybody is going to be in one location. What a brilliant plan <laughs> for a bunch of vampires to do. Let's all congregate in one easy-to-destroy building to hide from the sun instead of having all these different lo locations to hide in in the morning. Idiot. <laughs> Stupid Bev. So, yeah, Bev's getting her plan ready. She's making all the beds. She's making everything ready to go. She's staring at the fire like a psychopath. As this town burns down, she's getting everything ready. And then she goes to the church, and she starts ringing the church bells. Everybody, it's time for mass. <laughs> she rings the church bells. Everybody kind of stops what they're doing to see. And I think it beckons all the fletchling vampires back to the church. So after Beverly calls everybody with the church bells, she sees that Monsignor Pruitt and Millie are in the church. And she's like, oh, good. You're awake, Father. Thank God. Good to see you, buddy. Um, no remorse on her face. No fear. Because I guess she's just beyond caring what Father thinks about her big plan and how he she directly ignored his orders to keep everybody inside. So she sees him with Millie and she kind of gives her the side eye and she's like, Monsignor, you are sh a stronger soul than I. <laughs> Implying that she couldn't forgive Millie for what she did to the angel, shooting it in the back while it was busy trying to, you know, kill everybody. No, the Millie hmm? shot Father Paul. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Millie shot Father Paul. She also shot the angel, Wait. but the angel... Or she tried to anyway. No, she, she got two shots off. She shot Father Paul, shot him in the head, and that that pissed off the angel. That's true. Yeah. He's Interesting, like, actually. Now that you that I think about that, because like they they're just sitting there chatting, <laughs> and like a couple hours ago she shot him in the head. Whatever. Yeah. He does forgive easy. <laughs> so Beverly's just like, yeah, all right. I said my stupid. You know, passive-aggressive bullshit. Time to move on. Come see what I did. And she brings Monsignor outside. And she's just like, isn't it glorious? Look at it. Burning down everything. All the animals are going to die. Everything's going to die. And we're all going to get on the ark. That is my rec center. I told you it was a good idea, Monsignor. <laughs> and it's going to be glorious. And Monsignor's just like, 
this is disgusting. All right, we are the wolves here. This is this is wrong. You and me and everybody, we were all wrong about this. This was a mistake. Everything we've done here is a mistake. This is horrible. And Bev's like, I can't believe what I'm hearing, Monsignor. Not you. I can't believe you're turning away from the faith, Monsignor. You're you're you can't do this to me. I can't believe you're doing this. We need leadership in a time like this. And you can't just be this godless, you know, traitor, this turncloak. How could you do something so wrong? Because obviously she can't fathom the idea that she's wrong. She'll even turn on Monsignor, the guy who brought all this bullshit here, <laughs> who's telling her that it's wrong and she's not buying it because she will never, ever admit she's wrong to anything. And she quickly looked at, at uh, Millie. She's like, oh, mm-hmm. it is all for a piece of ass, isn't it? Oh, here we go. Classic story. You say you're a man of God, but you're not even a man of God, are you? I'm the she's one the who's going to have to do this. She's the most infuriating person in the world because she's just so quick to judge anything. And she always has some fuel. She always has something to judge you for. <laughs> Yet she'll never point that judgment. And she'll never have that kind of critique on herself. And it's just a hater. Uh, is that she uses the Bible as a weapon and... Even quoting scriptures to Father Paul to to kind of like talk down to him and talk her up, and she's been doing this the entire damn series, and mm-hmm. it's it's very telling that she could she can take any situation and quote any line and any book and make it sound like that she's in the right. And they're in the wrong. Always. She's she's very good at it. And she's done that with every single person. And I think Mama Flynn really hit it home when she called her out on her shit. Yeah. She just can't help but feel superior to people. And she needs to be loved by everyone else. And if things don't go her way, she's a perpetual victim. Right. Everyone else is wrong. She's right. Right. And when Mama Flynn called her out on that shit... She didn't use scripture at that point. What she do? She used, you know, every the insecurity of other people, right? Mm-hmm. She used, oh yeah, your son, he's dead, and he's a fucking murderer. So, and then that's why Malvin's like, yeah, call him a murderer. Doesn't mean God loves him less than you. <laughs> he loves you the fucking same. He so, got her. Yeah, she got her. Ever since Mama Flynn like put her in her place. Her words have just been like, Ugh, whatever. Like, you're a joke. I don't give a crap about you, Bev. You have no power here. Yeah. And so the best part yeah. is like you could see that Father Paul uh just like it was one thing bringing a demon to the island and causing all this chaos. It's another thing to give Bev that power. <laughs> Cuz he <laughs> gave it to her. She has she took that power. She has it, and he gave it to her, like uh, like gift wrapped it for her, and told her to open it, and yeah, and he realized, and there's nothing either of them can do, because they're all immortal, you know. He can't punch her, he can't fight her, he can't out um, scripture her, or even like I don't think he even wanted to attempt to out scripture her, um, 
he just let her talk, let her do her thing, and he just kind of just has to take the punishment of he made it all happen. Yep, he is pretty much helpless here. <laughs> the only way to destroy her really is putting her inside of a tanning bed or something, <laughs> or just waiting for the sun to come up. Yeah. Other than that, everyone is super safe. Yeah. If you're a fletchling. Um, so she kind of gets fed up with father after she says enough, you know, bullshit to him and finishes her verbal abuse. And she turns to Sturgis and all the other people. And Sturgis is like, what's going on? And Beverly's like, nothing, because she's <laughs> an impulsive liar. And she's just like, so what's going on? And he's like, uh, well, all the boats are burned down. <laughs> they burned them. And she's like, that sucks. Okay, well, that's not a big deal. Wade will just call the fairies back tomorrow, and it won't be a problem. All right? It'll be fine. Um, But when you say they burned it down, who do you mean? <laughs> and then that's, that's kind of hinting that they're going to go on some people hunting again. So we cut to Warren and Lisa. They have made it to their little boat, their little love boat, and they put the canoe onto the water, and they make it off the islands. They're pushing it, and they're just rowing away. At least one good thing has happened. But before they get onto the boat, Lisa turns back, and she says a little prayer, and she, she says she loves her mom and dad, because this is all very fresh, and you know you have to mourn a little bit, because I don't know how, how somebody's going to deal with this situation, but she she just lost her parents in a weird way. She didn't see them die. Well, I guess she did see them die, but they came back as vampires. And they, they've been beckoning her this entire time, but she had the strength to say no. Yeah. And she left while they were searching for her. And even apart from Warren, because Warren had the same experience, but his parents were trying to get her out of there, get, get him out of there. But Lisa's parents were trying to get her to stay. So it just feels like it was a little harder, you know? Mm-hmm. She had a, a bigger a bigger leap of faith to, to get through. So Lisa says a little prayer for her parents. Warren mentions that he's his mom, his dad his brother like he's never going to see them again and it kind of dawns on Warren for the first time and he says he says something that's gonna like (laughs) gonna kill me she he says the dinner if I would have yeah if if I would have known that last dinner was was it like if I if I would have known the last time we all sat down together was the last dinner I would have done things differently I would have done, and then Lisa cuts him off, and she's just like, they know. They all know. Yeah. Because they all feel the same way, I'm sure. Mm. That Those words cut like a knife. (laughs) Yeah. Not Lisa's words, Warren's words. They cut like a knife, but thankfully, he has a good person in Lisa to help him. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So... They go on the boat, they go off into the water. The whole congregation seems to be here at the church and they're ready to take a little bit of a nap because everyone had a long night of, you know, feeding and murder and all this other horrible stuff. So as the congregation returns, they're joined by a new member, 
we see Howard. So Howard is not a churchgoer. Nope. Howard is somebody that Sturgis was feeding on, and Sturgis gave him the gift of life. He he gave him some of his own blood and turned him. This is happening during some of the pandemonium, but I didn't think twice about it when we watched it because, you know, there was just so much going on that I assumed that if they weren't turning into fletchlings, they were just turning everybody. But apparently this is just a one-time thing that Sturgis did because Howard was always nice to him. Yeah. And, and he felt Sturge, bad after he killed Sturge made the executive decision by himself to bring somebody back to life that he thought was good. That did mm-hmm. not sit well with Bev. Bev is old school. If you uh, didn't go to church, didn't take communion, um, then you don't deserve that life. But apparently Sturge is the one who, despite we said not to, made that decision. Oh, well. <laughs> so Howard is crying. And Bev is like, whatever. I guess you were blessed tonight. You're welcome. God saved you. And Howard's like, I killed my wife tonight. And I killed my kids. And he's just breaking down. He's like, I don't know what the hell is happening. Can anyone explain it to me? I just, I, what is happening? Like, my whole life is ruined. Oh, yeah. And he's just crying. And Beverly's like, oh, my. <laughs> well, this is why we don't just go around saving people willy-nilly. It's supposed to be something special, Sturges. How could you let this happen? <laughs> like, being a big hypocrite, because it's not like she didn't just murder the whole island. <laughs> but whatever. Howard breaks down. It's kind of a really hard scene to get through. Uh, but we don't really have a lot of time to dwell on, you know, what's happening here. Because in this next scene. So, real quick. One of the things that Bev does... Yeah, is fucking tell Howard that he also when he turned he had the power of fucking resurrection if he had gone to church if he had sat through all the masses and received all the communions he would have known that he could have just cut his hand and revived them just like Sturge did but he didn't know because he didn't go to church he is a non-believer and on top of that that sealed the deal for her. There's no room for him that night. None. Sorry. We have just enough beds for not Howard. I was purging that from my mind and, and brought it back. And Howard just, just freaks out. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. He doesn't know he killed his... He barely understands that he killed his family. So mm-hmm. Sturge is like, let's take a walk. You know, they start walking. And Sturge is choking up because he know he just damned him. He could have just left him for dead. But he starts walking and tells him, like, hey, uh, go down to your favorite spot right by the water and watch the sunrise. And, and Howard, Howard's just like, yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, what's so wrong about that? And he, I don't even think he knows. And as they're walking, he breaks down. He just goes on his knees and he just starts crying. <laughs> and this, while this yeah. conversation is happening... Father Paul is watching the whole thing. He just saw Bev push somebody out because they're a quote-unquote non-believer. And that's that's his conviction right there. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa no, no, no. Um, nah, nah. If, uh, if you need a place to stay, 
come in God's house. All are welcome because this is the house of God. And he yells God at the top of his lungs. <laughs> so, and he goes, he's, he goes back into the church to try to like set up. So if whoever gets shut out from Bev can sleep in his church. So they're going to have like a civil war, you know, <laughs> the season two civil war, Bev, Bev's faction versus father Paul's faction. But, um, Father Paul's pleasantly surprised to what he sees when he walks into the house of God. Uh, he walks into the house of God and he sees his daughter, yep. Sarah Gunning. Sarah Gunning is loading the place with gasoline. So apparently part of the big plan for Team Love was to burn down the church. Good plan. Good plan. <laughs> she finishes what she was doing with the gasoline. They kind of just stare at each other. And Father Gunning's like, God, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and Sarah Gunning's a little taken aback. And he's just like, I wish I could have told you more. I, I wish me and your mother mm-hmm. could have been there for you, done more for you. And it kind of it's kind of revealed here to Sarah Gunning that this is her father. I feel like she was still kind of, she's like, uh, okay. Like that. Like, she didn't say the uh in the beauty. She's like, okay. Thank you. <laughs> so I feel a lot like the process. Yeah, I feel like she didn't. It didn't hit home for her, but mm-hmm. I think like through the facial interactions, you can. It's it. The wheel is turning. Mm-hmm. So, father gets a quick idea, and he's just like, "Get out of the back! I'll burn the place down." Like you're right. You're one hundred percent right. Yeah. This is everything that's happened tonight is wrong, and we all need to pay for it. And I'm so sorry. And you're my daughter, and I love you, and yada, <laughs> yada, yada. And she's just like, um, yeah, I wish we had more time, too. <laughs> and she does look a little dumbfounded. And then he's like, all right, quickly, go out the back, get out of here. And then a gun fires off. Sturgis came into the church <laughs> with a rifle that he picked up earlier when he was chasing Liza. And he shot Sarah Gunning in the chest. Nobody asked him to do that. Nope. We hadn't really shot anyone before, so it just came out of nowhere to me. I was like, uh, damn, Sturgis, you suck. And as uh, as as Father Paul turns around, gives him a fucking fierce look, Sturgis is about to explain, well, I saw her and uh, not enough time. Father Paul already tackled through the church. They roll down the stairs and Father Paul has his hands across his neck, choking the life out of him. Everybody watches. Bev is happy. Oh, that's your father? That's that's the son of God? That's the guy who's going to lead us all here? Well, look at him now. He's choking Sturge, right? Uh, Millie sees this, and then she's like, you know, like, get off him, get off him, you know? Like, like what we'll, we'll, we'll came over you? And then he gets up he looks into the church he looks at um, Millie Millie kind of just goes into the church walks in and then you hear panic in her voice and she runs into the church and she screams Sarah Dr. Gunning is bleeding out on the floor Father Pruitt or Monsignor Pruitt picks her up and after a few seconds of, you know, coming to grips with the situation, 
Millie and him gather their senses. They pick her body up. Now, she's not quite dead yet, but they pick her up. And before they exit the church, Millie drops the last candle onto the ground so that the gasoline ignites and the church starts to burn. And they leave the church, a burning hellfire behind them as they vacate the area because their plan is to take her to this little creek. And she really loved this little area. Well, yeah, kind of skipped over something important there. What did I do? Uh, they were there. They were over her, and <laughs> she was going to die. And that's when Father Paul rolls up his sleeves, bites his wrist. Are you wrist. sure that happens now? Yeah, because it happens in the church. Hmm? Bites his wrist, tries to give her the blood to resurrect her, puts his wrist, bleeding wrist over her mouth. And with the last bit of strength that Sarah has left, she swirls it all and spits it out and stares at both her parents in the face and that's when it really fucking hits Father Paul and he fucking weeps and yeah Sarah rejected that if she's gonna die she's gonna die she does not want this and I think that really hits home for Father Paul Mm -hmm. like (laughs) like, yeah I fucked up I really fucked up and that's when they carry uh, Father Paul picks her up and carries her out the church, and they both tip over that last candle to burn it down. Heartbreaking scene. Yeah. So yeah, you said it best. They got out of there, they burned it down, and they go off to the creek. Mm-hmm. And as they're walking away. You see, you see in the background, Sheriff Hassan, and he's just like whistling Dixie. He's just like, and he's just like throwing gasoline on the rec center. And he's hoping no one notices and everyone notices. So so everyone sees him and they're like, Sheriff. And then, oh, this scene sucks. again. Beverly runs up to him and she's like terrorist. <laughs> I'm like, this woman. Oh, I hate yeah, this person. Like, typical, typical mm-hmm. Muslim coming in here and he's going to burn a church. Knew it the since day one. Hypocrisy. She murdered the whole town and she could <laughs> still be prejudiced. Like, how is that even of possible? Worse, dude. She can never do wrong in her own eyes. Not not in the eyes of God. Her own eyes. And she has she uses scripture to back it up. Uh, yeah. So she puts a stop to it by shooting him in the leg. <laughs> and Sheriff Hassan's bleeding and he's looking up at her. And it's it's bad. And he's just like, sorry, I had to get rid of this building. I'm pretty sure it's the last one left. <laughs> And Bev is staring at his bullet hole. She's getting hungry. And the sheriff knows it. And the sheriff is just like, look. What does the sheriff say? He, um, this is not the part. Uh, he, he's like, oh, he, uh, you're wrong. You think the building's empty? I wasn't, oh, I, I wasn't empty. And that's when we seen badass Aaron comes out right on cue. Pouring gasoline, meaning she poured gasoline all over the rec center, probably all in the bed. Put a little extra on where Bev was going to sleep because you know she's like at the head. You know exactly mm-hmm. the spot that she was going to take. She wasn't going to be like in the middle. She was going to be all the way at the top. 
So she comes out, pulls out the zippo, it ignites, and your motherfucking boy swoops in and fucking picks up Aaron and flies off. And I'm like, are you serious now? I thought you were burning alive. What happened? Nosferatu <laughs> uh, swoops out of nowhere to get Aaron at the last second. It's actually terrifying. Yeah. Because <laughs> you hear the fucking scream. And shout out to the subtitles on Netflix. They they put angel screeches in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, we're still he's still an angel. Okay. Oh. Way to way to pick way to pick a side there, Netflix. I, I didn't hear Aaron screech. Who's who screeching? <laughs> <laughs> so the Nosferatu comes in, picks her up. She drops the the Zippo, but unfortunately, uh, it does. It's not lighting, so it just drops on the floor. And he mm-hmm. picks her up. Doesn't take her very far. He just drops her next to like where everybody is. Where everybody just like turned their heads to look at what he's doing. And then they turn back to Sheriff Hassan. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay. Damn. Like that happened. They're so used to all this carnage and chaos that that was not a flinching response to any of them. They're like, okay, cool. All right. Anyway. Cool. <laughs> Like uh, that, so I'm doing that to like 80 people today, so it's fine. Like that, uh, that meme. Oh no! Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so we're back to Sheriff Hassan, sexy as he's on his knees because he got shot in the foot. I mean the leg, and we see uh, how was it? I think so. At this, yeah, we. I want to point out how disgustingly bad. Um, Aaron Green is getting eaten right now. He like props her head up and just is just like leaning oh, yeah. with full force into it, and she can't get, she can't budge. Nope. That part is just really disturbing to me because it's, it's like, oh, why are you doing this to Aaron? She's yeah. so cool, and I was getting like real sad about it. But we didn't have time because we pan over to the lit lighter on the floor, and it gets picked up. And I almost thought it was Sheriff Hassan. Like, damn, this guy is unstoppable. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was Ali. Ali picked it up. Ali picked up the lighter, and he's left with one final decision. Join his fletchling brothers or burn down the church. Choose his father or choose the religion. He had this choice earlier in the other episode, and he made the wrong choice. He chose this cult, and he paid dearly for it. He paid with his soul. But he has another chance of redemption here. Bev is like, oh, no. Come here, boy. Boy, come over here. And she calls him boy because I bet she doesn't know his name. I know she doesn't know his name. It's derogatory because not only that, but she's like, I I feel like in her eyes, he's still a Muslim. Ali's just a Muslim. Yeah, he converted and joined the, but he's, st- he's still, you know, he's like, oh, but you came from this other faith. Ugh, you're not pure. You're that's a disgusting thing about it. Like, I think that's how she referred to him. That's why she doesn't know his name. She's just like, oh, the Muslim boy. Yeah. Yeah. Just like disgusting. Oh, whatever. (laughs) So Ali has a choice. Um, If he needed any more encouragement, (laughs) Bev just gave it to him by calling him boy. So he threw the lighter into the rec center, burning down the last place of refuge. That was literally like the dumbest decision anyone could ever make by like Bev made. She she had one location for everyone to congregate and now it's burning down. Who could have saw this coming? Anybody <laughs> with a brain. <laughs> so they're all trapped now. They're all going to be exposed to the sun. 
And Sheriff Hassan's like, man, this reminds me of a Bible verse. Because, you know, remember, I read the stupid Bible, remember? So here's the verse. He makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. <laughs> and then he gets shot again before he can finish the verse. <laughs> I don't I know you don't watch wrestling, but <laughs> it's like, like Stone Cold Steve Austin did like, you know, like, well, John 316 said, well, F that, Austin 316 just said, I whooped your ass. And that, to me, was that, like, juxtaposition. <laughs> he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, Sheriff Hassan 316. <laughs> 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 Some shit like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. So, Sheriff gets shot yet again. Beverly just did it super cold. Ali's tending to his dad, trying to get him up and going. I think everyone's distracted by the eminent like danger of the sun now. So no one's really paying attention to the Hassans. Um, so I think they kind of get to shuffle away. But they, you don't really get to see him well, right now. Bev gives we cut away from them. One last shot. Um, <laughs> shoots him one last time. Um, Again? A third time? No, second time. Sorry. So, oh, yeah, yeah, no. I uh, mentioned it. Yeah. I, like after that shot, they're like, all right, well, he's dead. so whatever so yeah so uh bev just starts like grabbing sturge and she's like there has to be something any more building has to be more building and he's like no there's none we burned we burned them all by your orders and then she's like boats it's like boats there are no boats they burned them all there's nothing there is literally nothing anyone can do sarah's dead uh mind you they all start walking away but the fucking nosferatu's still chomping on Aaron. this whole time (laughs) they just walk they're like all right we're done and it's like he's still there fucking like yeah (laughs) going to town (sighs) but the cool the cool part about it He's chomping away at Aaron. Um, it's looking bleak. I mean, Aaron's turning a bit pale. Yeah. But we see that Aaron is reaching for something in her pocket. Aaron pulls out a knife. And I was so hyped when she did this. I was like, yes. No. Thank you for not letting Aaron go out like this. This is the smartest thing. Because I, I feel like any person would have been like, stab that dude in the neck. Stab him in the eye, something, you know, something vital. Mm -hmm. But she, while getting munched on, was, uh, that sounds dirty. Yeah. (laughs) While she was, uh, (laughs) while she was dying, okay? While Mm -hmm. the fucking Nosferatu was draining the life out of her, she, instead of going for the vitals, because we all know that this guy could probably resurrect anyway, she does a different thing. Mm -hmm. She starts cutting his wings. She penetrates through the flap of the wing that's very brittle and she starts cutting it open and she does this to every section because with wings there's like that cartilage in between the the flap or whatever and she just goes to every part and starts poking a hole and starts tearing uh tearing through each hole on both sides of the wing and at some point, Nosferatu is like, all right, this is getting kind of annoying. He starts looking at what she did. And he gets up, looks over, and she grabs his head and puts it back on his fucking neck, on her fucking neck. 
and she's and like, he gets not, distracted. <laughs> she's like, it's all you can eat buffet, baby. Let's just keep going. I uh, don't worry about what I'm doing over here. And I was like, that's fucking smart. She it's took metal. away his last line of defense. <laughs> so he's trapped on the island too. I was getting sad that Bev, that no, not Bev, I hate Bev, but I, I was getting sad that Aaron was going out like this and they gave her the most badass ending. Yeah. She set a trap. She set a trap for Nosferatu. She outsmarted him like nobody else could. So as everyone's walking away, we see the delinquent again. And I'm not sure if the delinquent has some kind of relationship with Sturgis. Is Sturgis his dad? I don't know. But Sturgis has like a little conversation with the delinquent. And he's like, what's going on, boy? How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Seems very nonchalant at first. And the boy's like, I'm not doing too good. I'm pretty sure, but I can't be sure. I think I killed my mom. And it's kind of like, damn, man. And Sergius is like, yeah, I've done some stuff too, kid. I've done some stuff tonight, and I do not feel good about it. Do you forgive me, kid? And the kid's like, yeah, I forgive you. (laughs) They're just consoling each other with the monstrous things they've done. Yeah. And are kind of accepting what's going to happen next. They're both going to die after doing pretty much, you know, the worst things imaginable to this town. So Nosferatu kind of finishes his meal and he gets up and he's looking at his wings and they're in shreds. And he's just like, oh, you bitch. And like he looks at her and he screams at her. He's like, ah, I hate you, you stupid idiot. Look what you're dead. <laughs> and he tries to fly away and he's going, but it's like all pathetic. And... It's just like, you know, he's he's barely flapping those little albatross wings <laughs> and he's taking flight and he's kind of just like, like wobbling. Good call and back. it's kind of funny. It's <laughs> it, Yeah, it's kind of funny to see. <sighs> I like that Aaron got the got the one up on him. And this is we the, see this. Sorry. This is the part, right? Well, keep going. Sorry. Um, after the after Nosferatu pathetically flaps away <laughs> like three feet off the ground um we see the hassans walking away the sheriff's having a lot of trouble because he's been shot twice in the legs um they witness nosferatu flying through the town but you know he can't really take flight very well even on the boat warren and lisa see nosferatu flying and they have a little discussion um lisa says or warren says rather that Nosferatu's heading west. He's trying to outrun the sunrise. Yeah. And Lisa's like, can he Can he do that? Can he get away? And Warren speculates, no, I don't think he can. Not before the sun rises. He's, he's barely off the ground. He can't make it 30 miles. Like, where's he going to go? I really don't think he can make it, but he's not certain. So this part is open to much speculation. Can Nosferatu survive? It's kind of the difference. The question that will answer, is there going to be you know, another little mini-series of this? Or is this it? Is this the last we see of this story? I have, a, I have an idea, but I'll talk about it when we get to the end. Okay. Well, I have a small idea now. Ooh. 
I was going to say that he could go to the uppers. <laughs> there might be somewhere on the uppers for him to hide. I'm not sure if there's any like buildings there or anywhere to go, but he could go there because he spent a lot of time there hiding in like the, the big grass and stuff. He could try and find somewhere around there to hide. At least that was my idea, but we'll, we'll hear Rip's idea at the end. <laughs> I like yours. Yours makes some sense. Well, the upwards isn't that far away, right? Right. It, yours makes sense, not some sense. Yours makes sense. <laughs> I always make some sense. <laughs> yes, you do, Jungle. Yes, you do. So the whole city's burning down. Aaron Green's kind of bleeding out. She's staring at the cosmos. And, you know kind of just laying in a job well done. Her throat's, like, really destroyed. It doesn't seem like she's turning or anything. She's just slowly dying. And as she's fading away, she hears Riley's voice. And he says, what happens? And then she's like, what? And she turns, and it transitions to her on her couch on that night when her and Riley were talking the night before. Riley, unfortunately died the first time and there he asked her what happens what happens when you die so it's kind of clear at this point that aaron that miss green is just slowly fading away here she's dying in the same way that riley was and she's having a hallucination she's getting that flood of dmt that Riley talked about and she's she's experiencing something she's experiencing this one last hurrah this one last big moment this one last rush of chemicals in her brain that's letting her experience what she's experienced right now so in this scene they kind of rehash the same conversation but Aaron has a slightly different take now. I I took it as um, it's like she's hallucinating talking to Riley, but describing exactly what's going on right at that moment. So she's mm-hmm. telling him everything. She's She starts off the same. It's like, oh, so what happened? Oh, speak for myself? Yeah, speak for yourself. Well, that's the problem. It's not speaking for myself. And then she continues on, which is another... It's the last speech that we can't do justice because mm-hmm. it's the last big speech. It's appropriate that she gets the last lines and it's very appropriate that she's joined by Riley in that conversation. Yeah. Last big speech, not last lines. She didn't get the last mm-hmm. line. But yeah, it's essentially she starts describing what's happening. She starts talking about how she starts feeling that that she's going to be reunited with her her little girl, her father, and her mother. So now she, she mentioned her mother again. She's going to, uh, she starts talking about how, and I'm going all over the place. So <laughs> she feels the atoms, the, the electrons, everything moving as her hands touch the, the ground, how it's all coming together, how she's not, it's not her. It's not her passing. She's rejoining the universe, the cosmos, everything that's all around her. Um, and like, 
it was so beautiful that yeah, oh my god, I can't fucking <laughs> I can't do it. Okay. She's she's joining the atoms and returning back to everything. Um and like and then she starts talking about like the earth, the um, the small the the small things, the bigger things like the cosmos, the galaxies and not just one galaxy, many galaxies and that's when it hits her. And then when we talk about many galaxies, different universes, that's when we start talking about God. And uh, yeah. It's it's heavy stuff. Yeah. But I like I, I like this scene because it also seems like she kept what she believed, but she kind of incorporated a lot of what Riley believed yeah. into her speech this time around. I feel like she combined she, the two. She, she did, and I like that idea because I've always liked the idea that's like you don't have to have a religion and then ignore science as well. Like you right. could you could do both if you wanted to. You could do one or the other, but it is possible. There, it's like a false dichotomy that you have to have one or the other, and it's one that always leads to arguments that don't need to exist. Like you don't have to be a religious person and deny science. You don't have to deny your religion to believe in science. It it doesn't really have to be that way. I don't know why people perpetuate the idea that it does have to be that way, but it doesn't. And her little speech kind of embodies that idea. She's blended the more rational scientific view that, that Riley had and incorporated it into her own religious idea and created something in the middle, something that works, something that that can bring her peace spiritually and set her rational mind at ease as she slowly fades. And I liked it. It was a great scene. And she kind of the last the lines that really stuck out to me are mm-hmm. like, "There is no time. There is no death. Life is a dream. It's just, it's a wish that is made again and again into eternity." And she closes it by saying, "I am that I am." Oh man, it was beautiful. And it's at this moment that. The sun begins to rise. So the sun is coming up. The the Sheriff Hassan and his son, they make it to the beach. Everybody's kind of gathering around um, near the burning church, all the fletchling vampires, that is. They start to congregate as the sun comes up. Beverly is nowhere to be found. And the fleshing vampires, and correct me if I'm wrong at this point, they start to sing. And I think Mama Flynn is the one who instigates the singing. Nearer my God to thee. Mm -hmm. Mama Flynn starts singing this hymn and she's joined by Ed and everybody starts to chime in, all the fleshing vampires. Yep. And we see... uh... Ali and Hassan, they start praying together. Uh, Has- Sheriff Hassan gets on his knees. Uh, Ali, they're looking at this, this as the sun's rising. They're just <laughs> doing the prayers that we've seen them do time and time again. We see uh, Bev walk up to where, not next to where they're praying, but enough where she could look to the side and see 
that they're there praying and she's looking at the sunrise with a look that's look like goes accepting of what's gonna happen and we see everybody holding each other um ed and annie are holding each other as they're singing uh um monsignor millie share a kiss before the sun rises while they're holding sarah in their arms Monsignor uh, takes off his collar, throws it into his, the creek. Yep. I it could be interpreted in many different ways. Well, it's either he'd rather <laughs> what he said, right? If he had asked me to take off my collar, I would have done it. And she said, "I would never ask you to do that." Well, he took off his collar. <laughs> I think he he died his first life as a priest, and this one he wants to die as you know a part of this little family. That was kind of doomed from the start. Yeah, I don't think he was casting God away. As it's easy to interpret that, I think he, um, I think he made his peace and understood what he did. And um, yeah, what you said that he was mm-hmm. just gonna, um, he's gonna pass on to the next life or pass on to heaven with the collar off as a family man. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> We cut to a bunch of other couples. We see the mayor and his wife. Yeah. We see Lisa and Warren a safe distance away in their boat, just kind of watching the sun come up and watching the town burn. Yeah. Everybody's singing. The boys are praying to Allah. Mm-hmm. And Bev is seemingly taking her imminent death pretty well. She's <laughs> staring at the sun, but then she starts to have like this nervous laughter and she starts to have this crazy look in her eyes and she starts to panic Mm -hmm. and she starts digging at the sand as if she's trying to dig herself a hole so she can hide in it and it's kind of what i was waiting for because i didn't (laughs) think bev deserved this acceptance acceptance there is dignity right and Mm -hmm. yeah oh that's a good one because we see the 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 hassan boys they have, have dignity they have their dignity in her last moments, she didn't have dignity, which I talked about last episode that she didn't. Um, I didn't. I didn't want to call her a coward right right away. I felt like she was more calculated than that. As to when mm-hmm. everybody was dying and taking the rat poison, she chose and fled. Um, but <laughs> no, this kind of proves that, that she is a coward. She has no faith, and. The moment her mortality becomes an issue, even though she's promised, like, you know, have faith, trust, and take that plunge. Have faith in me. She's like, no, fuck that. I'm going to hide in this fucking little hole I'm digging forever and not die. You know, she's scared to death of death. <laughs> but, and it's in their last moments, we see I'm Sheriff Hassan, he the motion he's doing is that while he's on his knees, he puts his hand to the floor, uh, hand and face to the floor, and then he raises up and puts his hand to the, like, normal... Um, I'm not describing it well, but that's how that's the prayer. But we see one final time, he doesn't get up. He kind of just topples over, signifying that that was... He bled out. And it was conflicting to me. Because I was like, 
should he he shouldn't have to witness his son dying and his wife but yeah. do you want your child to see you die and the way ali took it was so like heart i don't know just heart <laughs> yes not heart-wrenching just but heart just heart he kept it going and as the sun came up he had his hand on his father's shoulders and that's all she wrote that was it and as the sun came up beverly was screaming <laughs> at the sun she's like yeah and and we get like full, alive. full frontal of everything that that happened that we saw her skeleton everything burning she's screaming she didn't want this at all couldn't have happened to somebody more deserving <laughs> everybody else went away with dignity not her uh monsignor and millie before they you know get their suntan um he asks her to forgive him yeah and she gives him a little kiss mm-hmm. and then they get you know in light in engulfed in flames just like everybody else the whole town gets engulfed in flames a part of me was thinking like maybe there'd be some grand twist and the flins wouldn't burst into flames because they didn't feed on anybody for some reason maybe they're spared this this rapture that's happening right now but no none of the fletchings were saved and in retrospect it would have been dumb if any of them survived yeah the sunlight hits everybody the whole town gets raptured they get turned to dust and i'm sure the news lines are going to refer to this as a rapture because everybody just got turned to dust that's what's supposed to happen in raptures (laughs) the only people left behind to witness this is warren and lisa so warren and lisa are on their little boat their little canoe they witness the sun come up all the singing stops warren feels something falling raining down on him it's the ashes of the town because everybody in town just turned to ash and it's raining down upon them and lisa grasps his hand and squeezes it and she tells him i can't feel my legs and they both kind Which, of smile. Yeah. I was really hoping she'd be able to retain the use of it, but no. Her legs are gone, signifying that all the vampires are gone. The danger's done. So, one of the last things, they're the last remaining people, but if they ever died in any way, the question was, would they, able, would they like, like if, especially, if, especially if Lisa's still walking, if she died, would does she still have enough in her bloodstream to to resurrect and become vampiric and then then you know then it's the start of the contagion again? Mm-hmm. But no, that's not what happened. We she and doesn't that's... feel her legs, and that's like the conclusion. Mm-hmm. It's out of they their needed systems. that. Yeah, they needed that. As yeah. depressing as it is for Lisa, they needed that to let us know that. It is out of their system. Dr. Gunning's theory about that was correct. Yeah. Now, is it because the cells in her body overtook whatever's left? Or is it because, and this is what I was going to mention, that Nosferatu did die and broke the spell, you know, over them? Mm -hmm. We'll see. I mean, that maybe we will never see, but that's a good question. Was it a science-based thing? Was the curse lifted because he died? I don't know. Both. Yeah, maybe there was enough 
maybe with him gone it gave enough time for the cells to to fight back and you know she doesn't have that regeneration anymore the interesting thing apart about that too is like she it was like an old bullet wound that got healed because of the vampirism but like let's say the father didn't die or like he let it get out of his system would he just get like a a bullet in his head again or uh, what are the implications of that i think uh that's true i get that like would M- millie would she just rapidly age like i don't know i i think if you died and the the, the curse is broken you're you're dead because <laughs> he mm. died previously with her she didn't die she didn't drink the rat poison so she'll probably like she's like oh Had okay. enough time to filter it out of her system yeah, yeah that makes sense can't feel my legs you know mm-hmm. so those are the, yeah those the two of them didn't die they didn't get resurrected they're you know the sun came up and they're fine so mm-hmm. i'm sure all of that will get out of their system they're left with the burning island and everyone else is gone turned to dust very reminiscent, like I've already said, of the rapture. They're the last two people. I mean, if you interpret Sheriff Hassan as being dead, you can hold on to some hope that he just passed out. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're the last two conscious people here on the island. Everyone else has turned to dust. They've been raptured away, and they're left with the burning hellscape that is Crockpot. I do want to mention, I mean, that was the end of the show. Roll the credits. It was amazing. The credits was just you hear the swishing of the water uh, as they're on the boat, but it's just a black screen with the... (laughs) Immediately you see created by, written by, directed by Mike motherfucking Flanagan. Best TV director ever. Yeah, baby. Um, I want to address all the theories we went through. (laughs) Really just one big one that didn't get addressed. The only one did Beverly kill Monsignor? That's the, I still say yeah. I like, how did he die? Yes. How yes. did he die? Yeah. And how did he come back? Because you don't see any of that go over anybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Because the only person that got resurrected was uh, Riley. And before... Any amount of time passed, he just kind of said it. But everybody else got resurrected too in the church. Like they, when they died, they came right back. That's yeah, and they didn't like throw up. They didn't do all this stuff. It just felt like he was being poisoned. Well, they did in the church when they got poisoned. Mm-hmm. They all threw up just like he did. They threw up yeah. red, you know, viscera. So yeah. it looked like he got poisoned. I'm pretty sure Bev killed him. I just don't know how because they never addressed it. <laughs> Because he didn't just drop dead of dead of his own accord. He didn't die because of a vampiric reason. Because I feel like they'd have mentioned it. Like yeah. he just got poisoned. Yeah, because he wasn't missing something big. He wasn't craving blood at that point. You know. No. And no one that was taking the commun- the communion was craving blood. It's only after they die and come back that they crave blood. And he could walk in the sun before that yeah. moment too. And then after that, after he seemingly died of rat poison, that's when he became a full vampire fledgling. So. To me, it's fact, and yeah. it's and at this point, it's about like what the motivation was, you know, like 
we can make our guesses and they're probably like mostly fact but we never got a confirmation that that she was doing it like she never slightly said it's like i should have i was it's like you should have stayed dead when i fucking poisoned you you know it wasn't some big ass it was just like never mentioned but it was clear that he fucking that he was poisoned and she's the only one with access to the poison and we see it in that little montage we see her put it back. back right and, and I think it's it's just like the dog that she murdered. Yeah. It's just like something subtle, something that we don't necessarily get her comeuppance about. Like we don't get to see her face the consequences of doing it. It's just heavily implied that she does both. She had the rat poison and put it back when she poisoned the dog. She put more rat poison back after Monsignor died. I think it's pretty clear she did both of those poisonings. I mean, it's kind of her go-to. Yeah. You know, who? how many other people they should do that to? Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't know. But never. We could probably <laughs> start thinking back. I mean, on a rewatch, you can start maybe hinting, like, at some people who, uh, you know, maybe it's like, Oh, you know, I wanted to do this whole thing about everybody taking money. But, you know, it's just unfortunate. Your mom was against the Aaron. But then she passed away, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And then all that shit. Like, hinting that she killed Aaron's mom. I'd believe it. I'd believe <laughs> she's responsible for every death. On <laughs> she caused the oil spill. She was part of the fire in the 1984. Um, <laughs> she... <laughs> just, everything she she gave riley the drink <laughs> that set him over the edge yeah. she's like come on riley shot shot she bought him around yeah. and then left <laughs> i believe it man what a crazy good show i yeah. hate beverly I'm glad to see her go yeah. i'm glad she didn't die with dignity and everyone else did get to die with dignity yeah there was an attempt at it and she's like nah fuck this she went back to her to her Covered old base ways. yeah Mm-hmm. any other theories that we just got totally wrong uh, i mean my fountain of youth thing i mean it was kind of right i just didn't realize the fountain of youth was not for us yeah the, the blood yeah we we were totally taken aback by that right we didn't expect we knew it was him uh i thought that it was like because like combining the both theories you saw he found the fountain of youth mm-hmm. i thought he got split like the best self with the worst self and the worst self was this demon thing that's going around feeding on people while he's like mm-hmm. the best version of himself. And then the thing that I couldn't get is like, why would he let that happen? But then we learned that it wasn't like Monsignor in the case. It was the Nosferatu. The angel. Yeah. And we uh, we never got an explanation for that. We, he was just is, right? It's kind of good that way. It's better not to give too many answers, even though I'd love them. It's good to keep you guessing yeah. in terms of like the story. It's it's just good to have some some blanks that your mind has to fill. Yeah. Yeah, and they left it open ended. Like you're not yeah. sure he's dead. He could have gone to the upwards, like you said, and just hit out or dug a hole like Bev <laughs> tried to do at the last minute. He's I'd a- be happy to see another season of this. I'm I'm happy Bev won't be in it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I would. I think I'd, I prefer this ending and just move on from it. 
Oh, oh it's safer that way. No. I, I hate when there's always a bad sequel to something. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy with this one perfect season of television and they never do another one. Yeah. Um, obviously, I want more Mike Flanagan shows, but I'm fine oh. if this is just the singular visit to Crockpot Island, you know? Yeah. Um, I like I like the vibe. The whole thing gave off a very... The devil walks into a small town and corrupts everybody. So, like, needful things. Stephen King's needful things. Yeah. Or Rick and Morty when the, de- <laughs> when the devil walks in. <laughs> Which is a needful thing. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, the uh, devil walks into the town, gives everybody something that they need, but it all comes at a price. It's that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I like yeah. that. Uh that is all that is for that that episode. That is that's the series. It's done. Great job. It. Loved every second of it. Loved mm. the amount of religious overtones they did. Uh, I mean, we're going to make a separate episode just talking about the season overall, mm-hmm. which will be fun to do. Can't wait for that. <laughs> Once we've digested the whole thing, we'll give you our thoughts. It's been a crazy ride. Yeah. Thank you for Is it? Thank you. For, thank you for this, Jumpy. Thank you. Thank you for joining thank me. Thank you, Rip. And thank you, Future Rip. Your thank hair you, looks future. great today. Thank you, Future Jumpy. You're always always so kind and so great. And thank you to all the listeners mm-hmm. who joined us in this. <laughs> uh, I mentioned that this is my favorite of the three mike flanagan properties is it your favorite or did you prefer bly manor uh man they're just all so good it's like they are right it yeah it's like picking <laughs> your top three favorite ice cream flavors i don't know something <laughs> um it's that i mean it's up there on my top picks right overall but like mm-hmm. if i had to choose between the three like Hill House had its moments, especially since it was an introductory for me, right? To to for us for all that. Bly Manor just sucked me in, just mm-hmm. like kind of made me feel every character, right? Like you got to know every character and you got to feel everything they went through, and understand, and how easily. You know that's another theme in that one. Like the devil walks in, <laughs> with mm-hmm. um. This dude's sexy ass, I forgot. The Irish dude. But yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he kind of corrupted everything. Uh, but he wasn't the cause of it all, right? Uh, no, it was spirits. <laughs> it was uh, Kate Sugori again. I think so. <laughs> um, what else? But yeah, man. It was, a, it was a beautiful ride. I let it digest more before I say that it's my top. But it's definitely like... If I could binge watch all three of them or rewatch all three all at the same time, I would. Uh, I guess that I love watching. I love watching Hill House over again because none of the shows beat that one for having hidden things in the background. That one had so many little Easter eggs to find. Yeah, I don't know if this one does, but you know, (laughs) that'd be nice. I hadn't seen that. That'd be cool. It would be cool. Cool. All right. Any last words? Um, amen. Amen. Yes. 
was it? Peace be with you. And also with, and also you. with you. Uh was it Remember Lift We All are Dust? Remember we all dust and to dust we shall return. Yeah. Yeah. Love y'all. Good night. Bye.